Welcome, Welcome to, to the Better, Better Call Daddy Show. This is Big Daddy. Oh my God, that's hysterical. More stories you are not going to believe. And advice that you didn't know that you needed. Five stars. Five and a half stars. We're creating a legacy one call at a time. Here comes my daddy. Your problem is, is that you like me. My dad is my hero. He'll always be there to take your call, and you'll never be in too much trouble if your dad is around. Oh, boy. Hey, hey, hey. I think I'm a pretty cool dude. Better call daddy. The safe space for controversy. This is your host, Rena Friedman-Watts. No, this is your host, Celia Watts. More inspirational stories, more daddy drama, and more laughs. Hey, a lot of these things, I don't know where you're getting them from. It sounds like they're coming from when I look in the mirrors. Damn the public. Damn the public. (laughs) Sometimes we let life lead us, but as we grow up, we have to make better choices because there are consequences. Today's guest I met on the Jerry Springer show. She likes to party. I like to party, but we've both grown up. Cher Holt, welcome to the Better Call Daddy show. How are you? Oh my gosh, how are you? Good, how are you? Hush. Oh my gosh, okay. Are you ready for this? I am ready. Wow. Okay, so I feel like we need to tell the audience how we met. Wow, back in the day? <laughs> you know what's so crazy? I think you are like one of the only people like that was a guest on the Jerry Springer show that I've kept in touch with. The only one? I mean, the only one that we've like followed each other on social and like had some back and forth like in the beginning there were more but I feel like we had like a special connection oh yeah from as soon as we met we had like that bond yeah do you remember calling into the show were you the one that actually called no it was remember I was I was homeless and my aunt's friend told me that I could come and stay with her for a while and then she heard what was going on to me. And, and then that one weekend, she goes, we should email the show and see what we can do. I was like, I'm from Michigan. They're not going to care about to hear my story, whatnot. And then within like a couple of days later, you was it you or Toby called me? And I was like, what? Is this a, is this a, is a prank? I, I was baffled. Do you remember too? Like, it's literally like we just call back. And we're like, hey, this is Rena from the Jerry Springer show. Tell yeah, me what's yes. going on. Yes. And I told you, and then you said, we want to hear you on the show and blah, blah, blah. I was like, shut up. Are you serious? And then it didn't really like hit home with me until I got on the train and got in Chicago. And then like, holy shit. Yeah. Like, what do you remember from that experience now? I remember almost everything. Cause like it was, it touched my heart. I mean, I mean, I got to confront Tiger and then the white chick and I don't remember her name, but yeah. I remember I can, I can, I was able to finally let my anger and express myself safely without getting my ass beat by him. And so I wish now, the only regrets I, I wish I would have done, I should have whipped his ass a little bit more. I wish I could have hurt him more than he did to me. But hey, we live and learn. So the story was he was two-timing. At first, he wasn't. At first, you know, I thought, you know, I got this man of my dreams and whatnot, and he was a good guy, and everyone told me, his family told me, you know, that he's going to be abusing you, using you, that I need to get away from him. I was like, no, I'm going to be the difference, and I was naive. Six months into our relationship, he started cheating on me. I was like, huh, and then he had another girl before he met me that uh, she was pregnant, and they lost the baby. And then he left me in a hotel for a couple of days so he could go be with her. Did not realize that until 
after the fact. And then we left Michigan, went down to Ohio for a couple of days. And then we came back to Michigan and that's when all hell broke. I, I guess you would, you would call it like that because he found another white chick to be with and he kept leaving me stranded in my car. And then I was like couch hopping from one house to another. And it was just not good. I mean, I lost my car. I lost all my belongings. I lost my family for quite some time. I mean, yeah. I, sure, I would go you have now. been through seriously more than anyone I think I know. It may be who I am today, though. I mean, I don't regret my past because I believe we can live and learn from our past as long as we can get over it. And it took some time for me to get over that past. I'm better now. And I don't regret nothing. I want to know more about you. Like, truthfully, talk to me about your upbringing and your parents. Like, are you comfortable sharing that? Whew, it's a lot, but we can try. Why not, right? Yeah. Like, how did you get to be homeless? Like, I, I really don't know a lot of your backstory. I would love to know it. So, like, how far do you want me to go back? Who was Cher as a little girl? Cher, I was a daddy's girl. Um, you? Yeah. I was a daddy's girl. My dad always wanted a girl and he got his first girl and I was little like he was. I did no wrong in his eyes. He always told me yes to whatever I wanted and needed. It was always yes. And my mom hated it, hated it with a passion. And it caused a lot of disagreements. And I was proud of my who my dad was. Like he was the town we lived in. No one wanted to mess with him. And I, when I got a little bit older, I found out that before I was born, he ran with the cartel so it sounds so horrible and he would traffic drugs from mexico to michigan and he was always called the black sheep of the family because he was this typical white baptist man and he was living his own life it was like on my dad's side the family was very rich i guess you'd call it and had to live a certain standard and he wasn't that type of person he was going to do his own thing yeah so i was like okay and then my dad okay always it sounds like you might take after your dad a bit no i mean <laughs> no not really no? no you do your own thing for sure i do my own thing but i still have some morals i guess <laughs> Like I've always told, I, I always told like myself growing up, you know, I say if I was tall, this sounds, this sounds bad, but I said, if I was tall, I would probably rob a bank and get away with it because, you know, I'm smart and I'm so observant on what people do and what, you know, what's going on. But my ass would get caught up if I robbed a bank. Oh, that's Cher. She's that tall, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I would never make, never make it out. Aww. Yeah. My, so my mom and dad got divorced when I was 12. Everyone's life has been challenging and mine wasn't that pretty. I got beat growing up quite some time. My mom was very abusive to me. The last time I remember before she left was, uh, it was a Sunday night and where I lived at, there was some guys that would do street hockey and me and my best friend, we wanted to go watch them. Like every Sunday nights we would do. And my mom told me, no, I couldn't. I had school the next day. So what I do, I go to ask my dad. My dad's like, sure, I don't care. Just be back at a certain time. Got it. And I was getting ready to walk out the door and my mom grabbed my hair, snatched me up, you would say. And she asked me, where are you going? I was like, well, dad told me I could go watch the guys. And then she's like, well, didn't I tell you you could not do that? I was like, yeah, but my dad said I could. And then that's when all hell broke loose. She, it was bad. And long story short, the cops were involved. And then she uh, took my brother and my sister and took off. I said, well, she'll be back the next morning. And she was gone. I didn't see her for over a year. I stayed with my dad. thought it was the best thing to do because didn't have no rules. Now, at first, I go, you know, be cool. I was like 12, 13. I go, I'm going to be a teenager, a youngster, I guess you would call it. And I get to do my own thing. It was nice at first, but then 
after months went by, I missed that structure and a family. I had to grow up really fast. I remember going to the store every week with my little red wagon and get groceries for the week. And I, and back in the day, you know, if you lived in a small town, you could put a tab on your account and you could pay it every month. So that's what I would do. I'd go in the store, get what I needed for the week, pay, get my, you know, hygiene products, and then walk back down to the house and then take care of stuff and try to pay the bills. Cause my dad was also when at that time he was a, an addict. So he would get high and then he would passed out day and night. And then I would have to, you know, take care of myself. That was hard. After a year and a half of living like that, I, I couldn't do it. So I called my mom and told my mom, I go, I want to come with you guys. I can't live like this no more. And she took a little while to come get me, but then she decided I can come home. So she picked me up. And the first night that I was gone, my dad didn't come find me. He wasn't worried. The second night is when the police got involved and he came you know, was trying to find me because at that time he had no idea where my mom lived, but he had his bodyguard slash hitman with him at all times. So his bodyguard found us and they, he would harass us. And the police came to the house and want to know, you know, why am I with my mom and not my dad? But there was no custody. So we had to go to court and my mom had to get full custody of me at that time. Yeah, we ended up jumping from one house to another house into, into different cities because our dad would find us and he would harass my mom and try to kidnap me and my sister and my brother. When I was like 15, my mom got remarried. Well, not remarried at that time, but got into another relationship. And I thought the beating was bad with my mom and my dad. The beatings got worse with my stepdad. He was an ex-military man. So we had to live a certain lifestyle. I had to say yes, sir, no, sir. And had to make sure we did stuff correctly the first time. And if we didn't do it, we we got beat. And I was the older sibling. So I made sure that I got all the beatings and not them. I took the blame. I was 16. I found out I was pregnant. And I was excited. And one time I pissed off my stepdad. He beat me so bad that I had a miscarriage. Oh my it was God. Hush, it was hush hush. You know, like in the, like we're supposed to, you know, be a certain look a certain way and act a certain way, you know, on the streets, but behind closed doors stays behind closed doors. So when I went to the hospital, I didn't know what was going on. I was bleeding. I was cramping. And they said, you're having a miscarriage. I was like, oh my God. You know what happened? And I said, no, don't know. They said there was trauma done and they want to know like, no, I don't know what happened. My mom knew about it and she always told me, well, you should never provoke him then. I said, okay, whew. I can't believe I'm, I'm like, this is like national, like everyone's going to hear my story. Like a lot of people don't know my story. Only, I mean, wow. only a couple of people, like my sister does, my brother, God rest his soul. He, he committed suicide, but I remember he, it was bad. And then shortly after my miscarriage, we were at a beach. My stepdad backhanded me. Someone called the police on him for a child abuse. He got arrested. We went to court. The judge said that they're putting an emergency restraining order against him and me. And so the case got resolved. My mom kicked me out. My mom said that she picks my stepdad over me. She said that if I would have just had a, a good mouth and didn't say what was on my mind, that it would never have happened. So I, I was home. I, mean, I was staying from one friend's house to another friend's house for over a year almost two years. And then I begged to come back home. And then she said, well, if you want to do that, then this re restraining order has to go away. The charges would have to go away. And so I had to write off this big letter to the judge. It was all bullshit, but I had to, cause I wanted to go home. I want my family. I want my sister, my brother. I wanted somewhere place to warm. I wanted clothes. I just, yeah. So I did it. And 
couple weeks went by and the judge accepted it and it was dropped, everything was dropped and his got his record got clean, I guess you would just say it. And I was able to come home. So I came home. And then I learned from that day that whatever happened, I just gotta keep my mouth shut. So years of beatings. Oh and my then, God, uh, Cher, I did not know that. That is so horrible. Yeah, it, it sounds horrible. Like mentally, like it fucks with me sometimes, but I am who I am today. That's why I you know some people's past, it would ma- either make you or break you. And either it would make you to be a kind-hearted, loving person and want to love everybody, or it will make you mean and nasty to everybody, like fuck the world. And I have a big heart. And I, I sometimes I hate that because people like to use it against me. Like, oh, well, I can get over on you because you're naive or you have a big heart and blah, blah, blah. So I wish I could have a little bit of both, like 50-50, not this. I love everybody, people, and I want to be nice to people because it screws me out over at the end. But yeah, lived like that. And then I think I was 20. It was before I met you guys, I think, because, yeah. So it was like maybe two years before I met you guys. So I met you guys in 2002, right? Yeah. 2001. Okay. So it was a year before that. My sister and myself and my brother were at home. My, my mom left for work. It was on a Saturday. My mom told me, please watch your sister. Please watch my mouth. And she said, just stay away from me. No, stay away from my stepdad until she got home. Okay. Before she left at the door, she says, please make sure your sister is good. I said, I'll try because my sister was very mouthy. She did not have no filter. So uh, she left a couple hours later, went down away. And then my stepdad made breakfast for the kids. My sister got caught eating with her elbows on the table. He came in, snatched her up and said, is that how you're supposed to eat? She started just screaming and throwing a fit. She threw her food and she ran off down the hallway. That Well, there he comes. I followed behind them and he... Uh, I opened the door and he was beating her and I jumped on top of my sister and took the beatings for her and he started chasing us. It, it, was, it was bad. I don't remember all of it. I tried to forget some of it. Long story short, took my sister and my brother, got in my car, went to my mom's work when she was on call for the ambulance. And uh, my mom's friend was there. Me and my sister looked like we were just been thrown out of a car. And I told her, please help me. And she said, what happened? Who did this to you guys? And I said, you'd never believe me if I told you. And she's like, well, try me. I want to protect you guys. I told her and she said, I knew there was something off with with your family. And she said, stay with me. And she called the cops. And I thought no one would believe believe us because now from the outside, we looked like a perfect big family. Like we had everything that us kids were taken care of. But in the inside, I was relieved that people knew, like there were people knew like something was off. The police were called, he got arrested. And this time my mom couldn't stop it because we had marks there was and then we got an outside witness and because who she was who she worked with this and that this is the second time that something like this happened the state of michigan did not let it go so he got arrested and my mama she lost him long story short they ended up getting a divorce he said that he was done with his family he left it was peaceful but i'm 41 now and she still she still blames us for her divorce she still says that if we would have just been quiet when he was he, she said he was only home one week in a month you guys could have just stayed away from him and just done what he said i went it's kind of hard i mean 
like we had targets on us like as soon as he would come into the room or come from i mean it didn't matter where we were at like we like he was the bull and we read had red targets on us so it didn't matter how good we were trying to be we were still paying for it so yeah she ended up being a single mom with three kids she always blamed it well because she was abused when she was growing up and mm. that's all she knows and i told my mom you know it's called a generation demon you have to stop it with you otherwise your kids are gonna be fucked up she didn't play into that she didn't care you're the first person i've ever told you this well some one person knows but i was 29 when i got stopped getting beat from my mom that's all i know is being from women men boyfriends don't it don't matter and like when i met tiger like he was like a little gangbanger like a like he was rough and tough like this is what i want because i'm little i i said i don't want this i don't want a pussy man like i want someone to be able to protect me too and he wanted to talk to me he wanted to date me i was like let's go regardless of what i hear what i've been told i said let's go let's do it and then that's when he put me in the hospital a couple of times <gasps> oh i never God. told you no yep we were in albion michigan i didn't do what he wanted me to do i refused he beat me and then he had the audacity to take me to the emergency room he dropped me off at the door and i remember another guy was coming out of the er and i couldn't hardly breathe i was all bruised up and tiger just left me right there and this guy that was walking out he grabbed my arm and said do you need help and then here comes tiger he said don't you know cursed him out whatnot she's fine blah 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 i went into the emergency room the nurses and the, you know helped me the nurses knew what happened but i think back in the day you know if they suspect uh, domestic abuse they couldn't say nothing but now they get the police involved oh my but, god um, yeah i still stayed with them until i met you guys like you guys changed my life when you guys called back and said, you know, we want to hear your story. You know, we want you on the show because I don't think I would be able to get away from him because he fed me these stories. And then when I would see him like once a week, he would give me money, give me you know, cigarettes, you know, give me what I what I needed right you now, right then and there. And he would say, you know, I'll leave her soon. I'll, I'll make sure I'm with you and I'll take care of you, blah, blah, blah. And, and I was like, what, 21, 20? So now? young. We were both so young. Right. And I was like, okay, I got this. But I went through hell and back, seen stuff that, I mean, that I sh wish I'd never seen. Like, I'm in. I'm in through raids, like when like when the SWAT team would come into your house, because if you have drugs, whatnot, and I'm, I've been through two of those. And like, yeah, I know people go through it. But like, I wish I didn't go through half the stuff. But I thank you. I thank Toby for having me on the show. You guys saved me because it, it gave me another outlook. It gave me like, I didn't love him no more. He on the show and we did our thing. And then that evening when I got, came back to the hotel, I don't remember how he did it, but he reached out. He might've called my room. I'm not too sure. Cause at that time I didn't have a cell phone. And he's like, I'm in this hotel. You know, we should meet me and we could hang out and we could talk. And like, I said, no, not. And then when we got back to Michigan, he reached out to me, nothing. Like I was, I was afraid of him. Yes. But I was not afraid at the same time. Like I felt like I cut the final cord away from him that I thought, you know, I got some peace on confronting him, confronting her and I'm going to do me now. I think yeah, you guys will be forever indebted in my heart. Like, into me because you guys helped me. I'm so glad. I had no idea that now you and everyone you. else is gonna know. <laughs> I had I just had no idea that it was that bad with him. That was bad. 
I wish I could forget him. Like there's been a couple of times since then, like maybe a couple of years ago that I've even tried to like Facebook stalk him to find him, but I can't find him just to see what's he doing? Like, what does he look like? Or does he have all like how I guess, cause he wasn't just abusive to me. Like all his other white, the saying is, you know, a black man will get with a white woman because a white woman cannot stand up and protect herself. No, we're weak. Well, I'm not weak no more. I just want to see all the hell that he has caused myself and other females. Where is he at? How's he doing? Because, you know, karma's a bitch. And I believe, uh, I hope it would come up and catch him. Yeah. I mean, I've done some Facebook stalking of my own. <laughs> <laughs> right? Who hasn't? If, if you say you've never Facebook stalked, you're liars. <laughs> I might have done it. Yeah, like last night. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. So what happened after the show? Like, catch me up on the last 20 years so much. I mean, oh, my oh, God. 20 years. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So like after you know, we came back to Michigan, oh, man, I was like, the like my mom was like, you did what? I guess when my sister seen me on the show and my aunts and my uncles and my cousins and like everyone, like the younger generation, they were like hysterical. Then my mom was like, what the fuck were you thinking? And I was like, you only live once. I've always loved it. I liked it. Like, wow, I'm kind of famous. And uh, some people were like, it's such a disgrace. I went, that's your life. This is my life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be happy with me. I loved it. And then when you got, you know, I just continued doing what I was doing. And I lived at home because my mom at that time finally knew, realized, I guess you would call it, that I was away from Tiger. And she let me come back home with them. So I was able to be with my, my brother and my sister and enjoy life, as you could call it, whatnot. Then you, well, I don't know how long ago, how like how long, what the distance was, but then you guys contacted me to be on the spring break one. Yeah, so that was that oh, was my, oh my god! Like seriously, I still have pictures of us from Jamaica. I've got to find. I do, I do too. I do too. And like, remember when, like when you guys wanted me to Chicago to be on the Jerry Springer show? I told you and Toby, I go, I can't ride in the plane. I'm scared. Right, so that's that why you took the train. That's so crazy. I wasn't yeah. sure if that was because of 9-11. I mean, mm -hmm. I worked there during 9-11 and we had to put people on trains. So I was like, is that why? But you were no, scared to fly. No, it was just because, yeah, I was scared to fly. And then my my crazy ass, like, yeah, I'll do spring break one. Let's do it. But then like, wait, what the fuck? I had to get in a plane. I was like, I'm going to die, I think. And then I remember, I think when we got into Miami, like, when we got into Miami to fly down to Jamaica, I sat by Big Al. I was fucking scared. I was trying to keep my composer together, you know, because like all these people like, yep, I'm this person that's going to have a fucking anxiety attack on this plane. Plane's going to cry. Yeah. And then like, but it wasn't bad. Like, but me being the first time on an airport, O'Hare is crazy. And then the Miami airport is crazy. And I don't remember who that, who that guy was. He, I don't know if he was an intern or he worked with you guys, but he was the one that like chaperoned us around the airports, whatnot. But yeah, my little legs had a workout that day. It reminded me of Home Alone. Like I was the kid rushing in the airport and terminals trying to get to point A to point B in a fashionable time. Like it was, it was, it was awesome. And I remember then uh, when we left Jamaica, I had something in my bags. It was like, no, nothing, no liquor, no bombs, of course, just something that I wanted. I think it might've been like a soda or whatnot. I wanted to bring it back to the States. I'm never going to go back to Jamaica again. I want to bring it back for a souvenir and fucking customs opened my bag up and they said, you can't have this. I was like, like, but it's in my bag. I'm not going to do nothing with it. I want to keepsake it. It says no. And they took it. And I wanted it somewhere. Well, then you might as well just keep my whole fucking bag because I don't want nothing now. 
I was pissed. But yeah, I yeah, it was it was awesome. And then when that spring break episode aired, it was awesome. My sister said she was in school back in the day, you know, if they didn't have no homework, no assignments to do, you could watch TV. Well, you know, kids love Jerry Springer. And then one day they watched it. My spring break episode was on TV and they watched it. And yeah, it was funny. Do you remember the like giant bubble party? No, I don't. There was like, I remember that. And I remember when we snuck off the resort. Do you remember that? You guys did that. I didn't go because I was afraid. I thought you came with me. No. Remember we went to like a club or something and we were like the only white people in the whole place. I don't remember. Like, you don't? don't oh my God. But I feel like every guy in Jamaica wanted to hook up with you. So I was just like, I'm with her. You remember when we got off the air, the plane? After when we got into uh, Montego Bay, that I had to have those security guards walk me to my where I was at to our van because everyone was chasing at me. I'm like, oh my god, what is wrong? I was scared. I go, I'm gonna die here. I think. Okay, so we have to tell the audience too because, like, I don't know if they're gonna watch the video, but you are a little person. So I think too, like, there were I don't know in Jamaica, like it, it was almost like they had never seen a little person before. Right? Uh, yeah, I'm only four foot tall. They seen me and. They knew like who I was with, I, I believe, because all the productions and whatnot, and they just went crazy. I mean, it was awesome. Like, I thought I was famous, but like, so now I know how like the famous actors and actresses are like, but, but damn, hold on. Let me just get my bags and let me go to my destination. Don't come, you know, bulldog me. Like, I'm just a human. I'm a nobody. Oh my gosh. Are your parents both little people? My dad was. My dad was little, but he was taller than like, taller than me. He was like four foot 11. Okay. My whole family, like my sister's tall. My brother was short. My youngest son is little. But other than that, on my dad's side, everyone's tall. When my grandma passed away, my aunt, years down the road afterwards, my aunt, my dad's sister, told me that my, my grandmother could have had an affair. And that's how my dad came. Because my dad was more had more tanned skin than the rest of the family and had black hair. Maybe about four years ago, I did an ancestry DNA and came to find out my dad is their kin like full-blooded really yes because when you do the ancestor dna you get like hits of your other family members and i contacted my aunt and went over with all the names and she says yep that's that that language and then you know she's passed away now but before she passed away she got closure i guess you would call it like my dad was you know her full brother's sister interesting that they tried to say he wasn't yeah because like like if you look at my dad even though like my dad and his brothers and sisters all had like like similar facial but because he was tanner darker he looked like he was a native american but he was like we when my ancestry dna came back and said that we have i have german and i have england and irish in me but i'm like even like to still to this day people think i have puerto rican me i was like no i'm just a Basic white bitch. I'm I'm nothing special. But for some reason, like yeah, like to me, my sister, my sister's real white complected and I'm tan. I have brown eyes and she has blue eyes. It is what it is. But now my my dad's family can never say that my grandmother had an affair and that's how the crazy one came. How did your parents get together? I'm not sure. If I remember correctly a little bit, my mom's parents were from Florida, resided in Florida a lot. And my dad would come down there and do fishing trips. And then he worked for my mom's stepdad, whatnot. And then that's how they met. Interesting. Yep. So you say that you were a daddy's girl. What do you take from that relationship now? I felt protected. Like 
when he was a farmer. So whenever he would go harvest, you know, corn, wheat, whatnot, I was always with him in the combine. I, I never did not go anywhere without him. I, I was always with him. I felt like I had someone, my best friend, I could always rely on. Like he would never tell me no. So whatever I wanted, I got it. But they, you know, on the dark side, on the you know, dark side, the backside, whatnot, you would call it, you know, he was still bad. He was still evil, but I loved him. And I, I love my mom too, regardless, but like, it is what it is. We can't choose our life. We can't choose our family. It is what it is. Okay. I also like know that you like were married. Can you talk about that at all? What happened there? I mean, that I sound is so, tragic. I sound, I sound so pathetic. It wasn't tragic. Like, so well, what happened to him with the construction accident? Oh my God. Do you want me to start from the beginning or from the construction accident? I mean, tell me however you want to tell me. I'm know. curious how you guys got together and. Okay. So back in the day when MySpace was a thing, like it was big and popular. I uh, met him through MySpace, started talking like, okay, I just had Spencer a year, almost a year later, you know, so I was like, I'm going to try to find somebody because a lot of people look at me and they just want to say, I just want to fuck you. I didn't have a fucking midget. So I'm just, that's, that's like, half the people I've been with. They just want to see what it feels like to be with me. So I was lonely. I just wanted to find a friend to talk to and base our relationship from that point, if it goes any further. So I was on MySpace looking around. I met him. We talked on MySpace and then over the phone for about six months. And then we decided to take it further. He came to live with me. Like, I was so stupid. I mean, never met this man in real life. He just automatically, like, but we had, like, I looked him up on the Oklahoma Department of Corrections, seeing he got in trouble a little bit. We been the same places, but never ran into each other. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Why not? He came to live with me because my both my kids, their father did not want nothing to do with them. So he said, you know, Spencer was just turned one and then Jaden was three. And he said, I'll be a father figure to them. I was like, okay, well, this is, this is a lot for just jumping into it. He goes, I can do this. It was great. Like he was like almost the man of my dream. Like it was almost too good to be true. Golly, our first year was pure hell. Like I kept catching him cheating. Ready for this one? I caught him fucking my sister. I walked out into the living room and they were fucking each other on the couch. How the hell did you work through that? I just walked out and I just stood there and I was frozen. I didn't know what to say, didn't know what to do. I it felt like forever that I was standing there, but probably it's been a couple of seconds. And then they both got up. What, what? I was like, are you serious? Really? They're like nonchalant. I'm like, it's okay. I went, and then he had the audacity. He's like, let's have a threesome. I said, no, I don't, I don't do that. No. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to say about that, but yeah, we, I still stayed with him because he loved me. So I, that's all I wanted someone to love me for me, but yeah, we were together for quite some time all together. It was like 12 and a half years, 12 and a half years. Oh my God. I, I did. It did seem like a while, but that is a long time. Yes. We ended up, it was going good. And then we moved to Florida because, you know, Spencer, you know, his, you know, his health uh, back then we thought it was you know, getting worse to this day. It's like, I wish I had his health back then because it was nothing like it is now, but we went to Florida to the hospitals down there because they had more money, more research, more doctors that could help them. And then we stayed down there. We got, you know, after almost two years, we finally got the diagnoses that what Spencer's has. And so, okay. We're going to end up saving, you know, we're going to save money up to go back home to Michigan, to Michigan, to Oklahoma, to be with close around friends and families. 
Okay. So for, for context, because not everybody knows, I feel like we got to back up. Like, I don't know about Spencer's dad or about Jaden either. So Jaden's dad, he was in a band. Like he was beautiful. Like he had long hair. He had that tan complexed skin. I was like, oh, I like him. We had a one night stand and this one night stand only lasted less than like three minutes. Like, and it was horrible, but I got pregnant. I was like, okay, awesome. Well, now I get, I get to have this man forever in my life. And two months, three months, you know, went down and I contacted him and said, you know, hey, we're having a baby. And he told me, I don't want a baby with you. If I ever see you, I will kill the baby. I said, wow, okay. And he said, you're a midget. I would never screw a midget and have a baby with them. I was like, wow, I'm a human being. I mean, I'm just a little bit little, but I'm, I'm a human being at the end of the day. We went 17 years with nothing. I had um, a couple friends from my local church try to reach out to him, nothing. And then it was January of this year. Jaden was curious about his dad, Brian. Jaden was talking to his grandmother, Brian's mom. Couple of weeks went down. Brian reached out to Jaden, and I was like, "Holy shit, this is you know." And I told, and I asked to speak to Brian first, and I told Brian, "Well, your son has been waiting to talk to you for 17 years. Promise me, promise me, do not ruin this boy's life because he looks up to you." I go, "He don't know who you are." I said, "But you have a mini me right here. Please don't hurt him." Oh no, no, I'm I'm growing up now. I missed you no know, 17 years of his life. I want something to do with him. Blah blah blah. Okay. Long story short, Brian wanted Jaden to come live with them in Colorado. So I drove him to Colorado. I stayed up there for a couple of hours and reminisced our times and talked about Jaden and his life. And I left the next morning to go back home to Oklahoma. I talked to Jaden almost every night. What I thought was going good was good for him. Couldn't find out it wasn't. Jaden was gone for four months. He wasn't supposed to be back until like this winter, but I had to go get him because Brian and him were couch shopping, staying at one friend's house to another friend's house. Jaden went four days without eating. Jaden witnessed his uncle, Odine, on the floor. And Brian had no idea what to do with this, this you know, his brother. And Jaden, it's like a seizure. Roll on to the side, make sure his mouth stays clear of the vomit and stuff. Because of Spencer, I got a phone call from the Colorado Police Department. It was a Aroha, whatnot. No, sorry, Denver City Police, and said that they're looking for my son because Jaden was left abandoned in an apartment complex, and he was caught, got caught digging through dumpsters, graffitiing the sidewalk. I said, "Huh? I thought everything was going good." And I said, "Oh my God!" And so we left. Where he stayed at in Denver was nine hours. We got to Denver and back home, got picked him up and came back home by that night to get him out of harm's way and figure out what the hell is going on. And yeah, and now Brian is currently, last time I heard, is currently in a jail down in Texas. Oh my God. I'm not too sure for what, but Brian pawned all of Jaden's clothes. Oh my pawned God. Pawned his PS5, pawned his PS3, his record player, his records. Everything that Jaden brought up to live with Brian, he pawned it for dope. And then uh, Spencer's dad, I only know. <laughs> One only second know. too. So Jaden is not little either, right? No, he's 18 years old, six foot three. <laughs> yeah. Like what? if you see him and I together, it's like, how in the hell did that human come out of me? Okay. So 
I cannot believe, I just, I feel so bad for Jaden and going up there and like, haven't, you know, he didn't know his dad for so long. And then that's the experience he had. I mean, how did you leave him there? And did he talk to you through that? I was talking to Brian, I mean, once a week and everything was going good. He's like, yeah, I don't need a DNA test because this kid, I mean, they look spit and image. They laugh the same way. Like, never seen, you know, been around his dad and they, they do the same shit. Like, it's quite mind-blowing. A mini-me right there. So Brian says, you don't need a DNA. I He is my son. And then his other kids, they look just like like Jaden. But Brian kept telling me that things were going good. Never told me the truth about stuff. And then I kept getting phone calls from Brian's mom. And then the last straw was right from when his sister contacted me and said, you know, you need to get Jaden. And then the following day, the Denver police called me. I was like, okay, we're going to Colorado. Oh my God. What was it like too, like raising him as a single mom? Oh man, I was scared. Cause like I have very bad OCD and like, like I'm gonna have to touch poop, puke, pee, all that stuff. I was like, what am I going to do? And like, but uh, he was a great kid. Like he, he was so smart. I mean, he did everything before the expected milestones. He was a, a good, good baby, like a very good baby. Did you have like a normal pregnancy? Like for the most part, I kept having a preterm labor. And then I think I was like about 30 weeks, 28 to 30 weeks. I had to be on bed rest completely. And uh, it was okay. And then I had him at 37 weeks. Okay. Wow. Oh my God. And then, and then what was like becoming a mom for you? Reality didn't kick in until I had a C-section. So, you know, on the, on the table, getting cut open. Okay, whatever. And then it did not hit me until I heard him cry. I was like, hold on. I'm a mom. Holy shit. Like I have another life that I have that I am having to take care of. Like, yeah, there's no more me. It's, it's my son. And yeah, but it was awesome. Like having another human being loves me unconditionally. Are you guys close? We are close. Like he's still like right now to this day, like he's my little pit bull. Like he has mama, you shouldn't do this. Mama, you should do this. I'm like, oh my gosh, Jaden, I'm, I'm 41. I can do what I want to do. I don't need your permission. I go pay my bills maybe. And then maybe you can tell me what to do, but not until then. Like he's, I love it. he's very protective. Yeah. And also like at what point, I mean, you said he's six, three. Yeah. When did he pass you up? <laughs> I think he was like four. Yeah. I mean, he's a big kid. Yeah. He's a, he's a big boy. He's six, four about last time I knew a couple months ago, he was about two twenty. Whoa. I mean, how did people react to that? When I say, that's my son, I go, huh? That's your son. But if you look at our faces, like we have, you know, our eyes look the same. And I mean, yeah, like he's my son. Wow. And what was like going to school like, and all of that? He loved school. He was a great kid. And I was always afraid of going to like school functions. I did it because he never, you know, was embarrassed in me. He said, mama, I want you to come. I go, but what if your friends make fun of you? You're my mom. I want you to come. So, okay. And then of course kids are going to you know say stuff, but it never, it never once bothered him and it still don't bother me. It bothers me more than it bothers him. Yeah. Something you said earlier about how guys just wanted to be with a midget. Yeah. Because I, I guess people don't understand like the type of dwarfism that I have, we have everything like an 
IQ, an average sized person. The only thing that's different is our top bones get hard before they should and they stop growing. But other than that, my torso, like if you and I sat down beside each other, you could not, would not be able to tell that I was, unless, you know, I sat, you know, stood up. Other than that, everything's the same. Like my torso is the same. That's why, like, I'm more curvier because there's nothing wrong with me. I'm just little. But yeah, it's, it will still feel the same. I still have boobs. I still have a butt like everyone else because like certain types of dwarfism, they are proportioned well enough, like a little kid. Me, no. It's all there. Have you like found any sort of support group ever or tried to connect with other little people? You're going to die when I tell you this. <laughs> so first, growing up, my dad always believed in just because you're little, you don't need a help up or a handout. You figure it out yourself. If you have issues, you don't need to go to a, like LPA events or reach out to other little people. Figure it out yourself. No, no pity parties. So I didn't see my first little person until maybe about 10 years ago. Wow. And like the people, like like the little people around here in Oklahoma, the, the ones that I have met, they're too duck up. Like they think, well, I'm little. I have to act a certain way, dress a certain way. I can't be saying this kind of language. I can't listen to this kind of music. Or like, why not? Well, we're little. We have to have a good reputations of us it's like man fuck this i'm gonna be who i am regardless if i'm little or not i'm not gonna i'm not gonna have this stereotype i'm little i have to be this good person i mean i'm still a good person but i'm still gonna listen to what i want to listen to i'm still gonna dress the way i want to dress and if i want to have a foul mouth i'm gonna have a foul mouth that's, that's how I, I grew up. So like, yeah, it'd be nice to to maybe not with the Oklahoman people, maybe like maybe like California or New York, somewhere that's big states that are more open little people of being different. You can be, have your own life that way. But other than that, I just don't sound so bad. I just don't care to like, I'm just gonna do my thing and go like it is. Yeah. I, I appreciate what your dad said. I think that that's really cool actually. Yeah. Okay. So after Jaden's dad, how did you, then what? Then what? Then like, he's back home now trying to get him all. I mean, he, he lost everything. So little by little trying to get him more clothes, you know, I can't afford a PS5 because they're so expensive. So yeah. So we're just managing right now. I got pregnant for Spencer in 2009. Oh, sorry, 2008. We had a baby the same year. My Jones. oldest is 2008. Okay, so, so yep. How close are Jaden and your second one? Spencer's 14 and Jaden's 18. Okay, so they're four years apart. And yep. how did you meet the second guy? It's up to two possibilities of a dad's. It's either one person, if it's not him, then it's the other person. Through one of my friends, you know, we would always go out and have have fun hooked up and the two guys that could be you know we had multiple interactions I guess you would call it then I got pregnant and then I contacted both of them the one said I have nine other kids I don't want other kids that was it like oh okay and then the second one I reached out to him couldn't talk to him so I left a message with on his uh, voicemail and then maybe because Larry was in the picture and he came to my I was I was working he came to my house and put a note on the door saying I you know he received my call that I, he has a baby he said and then he left his phone number and said how I'd like to be a part of the child's life and then Larry told me well I threw away that number because he he does not need to be a part of his life because 
he's not never been here. I was like, wow, thanks, dude. Now I don't know his number. I don't know where he's at. I don't know I, the first one. I only know his street name. That's all I know. And then the phone numbers I did have back in the day, but I don't have them no more. And the second guy, I know his first name, but I don't know his last name. So yeah, whatever. And as far as the pregnancy there, was every, was it similar? Was It was pure hell. Like it was completely opposite. Like I was sick. I was in and out of the hospital for dehydration. I kept leaking amniotic fluid because I am RH negative. So my blood type is completely opposite from the boys. So when I was got pregnant, my body was attacking the fetus. So trying to abort it, like something's wrong, let's, let's kill it. At the beginning, I had to have a program shot. And, and in the middle of the middle trimesters, I had to get another program shot. And at the end, I had to have another program shot. For Spencer, I was in other hospitals, getting fluids, getting medications, trying to stop my body, killing my baby. Oh my God, that must have been so stressful. It was because I was alone. I was sick. Didn't, you know, I was trying to think of like Jane's pregnancy. I'm like, this is going to be better. But some parts was better, yes. But then the other parts were rough. <laughs> it was rough. And then what happened when he was born? I want to say when he was about, when I was about seven months along, they told me, you know, he's a little person. I said, that's awesome. And that they said that look like he has, he's going to have some birth defects. They didn't go in all in detail about it. And they, at that time, my uh, high risk OP doctor said, do you want to abort it? I said, no. Do you want to put it for adoption? No. And they said, okay. And then uh, I was on bed rest about 25 weeks, I think it was. And then at 36 weeks, they had to take the baby. I, my body could not handle it no more. Like it was, my blood pressure was, you know, was high. I was, I was it was horrible. And uh, they said that once he's born, they don't know if he'll be breathing. Just, just they're, they're trying to prepare me for the worst. Okay. So I had my C-section that morning. He, when they took him out of my tummy, he wasn't breathing. He had a cord around his neck. He was blue. They had to give him, that was called the epi to get him to start breathing and suck oxygen. But a couple of minutes felt like forever, but like maybe a minute or so they got him breathing and I heard his first cry and it was good. Like, oh, this is perfect. We went home after four days and that's when all the joy came in. Like it was not your typical newborn baby. Like you knew right then and there something was off. It's been one hell of a ride ever since. Like, I don't regret nothing, but thank God he was not my first. Because if he, if he was my first, I would be, I would, I would no, nothing, I would never put him up for adoption, but it would have scared me to never, ever have kids ever again. So I'm glad he was my second one. So I was kind of prepared as, as being a mom, but not fully. And then, yeah, give me a little bit about what it was like growing up for him. Yes. Or uh, raising him. I mean, you, he, he became like part of the campaign for make a wish foundation. Yup. And the children's miracle network. So he was in and out of the hospital a month old all the way. I mean, for still to this day, he's been in all, in and out of the hospital, but give you like a long story short. He had his first surgery when he was 10 months old. He had to have a fun application done. That's where they went in because he had so he had third degree burns on his esophagus from all the reflexing and he was allergic to so many different formulas. So they went in there and they stopped the GERD, the ass reflex coming back up. And so he can't puke by mouth and he can't have heartburn. It's all gone. So that's kind of good, right? And then 
when they did that surgery, they also did a Mickey button placement, a feeding tube in his stomach. And they said that we're going to, we're going to do two feedings with them. So, cause he was, he had failure to thrive. He was just very malnourished and I said, okay, we can do this. That was just the start of everything. Like a big old snowball that was creating and it was just going downhill we, from uh, 10 months old. And so he was three more testing, more surgeries. He ended up having uh, an ileostomy. It was where they take the colon, the small colon, the small intestines out. And you have a bag on your stomach to go. That's where you poop and stuff because we're trying to bypass his bum. At age three, they said that if they did not give him TPN and give him a central line, that he was going to end up losing his life because he could not get the proper nourishment and get his blood sugar under control. He was having seizures. So, okay, let's do it. So they did. He And that from that time he never babbled he never cooed he was very silent and he never hit none of his milestones for after a year of being on tpn at age four he finally said his first word he started babbling he was looking good like the tpn has saved his life granted we've had some scary experiences from infections and being septic from the central line but it's been saving his life man spencer's life is so so full. We now know after years of research and genetic testings, we finally found out what has been causing him to be, you know, different, not the atypical child. Yeah. So he's just on borrowed time now because his uh, lennox gastel syndrome and the Fox G1 he has is ruining his life, ruin his, ruining his brain. We're working with palliative care to get a good quality of life plan and get a care plan done, try to make him comfortable. Oh my God. That's so, so hard. Oh my God. You've been through so much. I have. And I asked myself, how much more do I have to go through? I keep doing it, but it's like, I would love a break sometime because some days are better than others. Like sometimes I want to have a pity party and say, this is not fair. Why do I have to go through this stuff? And now my kids have to go through this stuff and it's just unfair. It's a lot. I literally have chills everywhere. Oh my God, Cher, I wish I could give you a big hug. Aw, yeah. So I don't know. Like, I don't know what what the future holds for Spencer. Now your kids are not supposed to go before you. Your kids are supposed to outlive you. I don't know. For the past 14 years, my life has revolved around Spencer. Been taking care of Spencer. God forbid if I lost him. I don't know how to do life then no more. I would have to re get retaught how to, how to do it how to do anything. What has your guys' relationship been like? I mean, what was it like to hear him start to talk and to have birthday parties and to have friends? It was fabulous. Like I was so exciting. It was, it was the best, but he hasn't went to school since he's been in third grade. He's been on hospital homebound school. It's like all the typical stuff that he should have, like the school pictures and the school parties we don't have because he can't go to school because of his condition and it's not safe for Spencer at school because of the seizures. And he also has is immune compromised. So his life right now is very sheltered because especially with COVID, they said if he catches COVID, it could kill him. We don't do much like the stuff that I want to do with him and experience with him. We don't do because either money or because of germs. And I'm sorry. Aww. So yeah. What would be a dream? Like, what would he love? Oh, 
right now back in 2015 we uh he loves god's not dead did you ever see my video on facebook when he was just a youngster saying god's not dead he, he was in a coma for three days and he woke up after they performed surgery he woke up and he was saying god's not dead and i sent it to the manager for the newsboys and i said i just want to let you guys know you know you guys you guys give my sons my son, an uh, inspiration to fight and keep living. Sent him that video, and I told him thank you. And they months down went down and went away. And they contacted me and said, uh, "We have free tickets to come see him and meet them." And then they sent a video. It says, "I'm at." I don't know what happened to the video, but it was on YouTube. It's I can't access it no more. But of uh, Michael and Jody and. Jeff and Duncan, you know, wishing Spencer wishes the well wishes. So Spencer met them and he he's obsessed with the newsboys in his head. They're best friends and he just loves Jeff. And he we we listen to the newsboys. God's not dead. We believe. I mean, I know every word. To this. I mean, who doesn't? But like there's yeah, like I can hear it playing in my head still because we listen to it so much. But yeah, he loves he loves the newsboys. Okay, so uh, I'm gonna try to get in touch with them. That's so cool. Yeah, and like Spencer is so strong. Like the sh the stuff that he's been through, I'm in, sh in shock that he still remembers them because every day for Spencer is a new day. Have you ever watched Fifty First Dates? I, I think I've seen. Uh, yeah, it's been a while. Okay, so like every day for Spencer when when he goes to bed and he wakes up. He forgets who some people are if he does not see you every day and he'll forget how to do daily stuff. So him knowing met the newsboys in 2015 and still knows their names and whatnot. And it's 2022 now they've touched him like and he always say, mommy, I'm not afraid. And like when he's really sick, he says he'll tell me he'll listen to his God's not dead. And we believe and I'll say, I'm ready to go home. I go, you are home, Bubba. He goes, no, mommy home in heaven. I'm tired of fighting. And he'll continue to listen to the song. I was like, and how, like, honestly, how do you, like, how did, from a being a parent, how can you react to something like that, that your kid tells you? And, you know, we don't go to church. We were going to church, but then we stopped because of freaking COVID and everything. But he believes in God. I mean, for a little human, a little human boy that has all this faith and believes and his mother don't even take him to church. I mean, it says something. It should say something to people that there is a higher power. I believe there's a higher power because of this conversation we're having right freaking now. <laughs> yes. This is like, seriously, Cher, a soul connection. Like, I feel that. Of course. Me too. Wow. I'm so inspired by what you just told me. What an amazing little boy. Yeah, he's, and when he was younger, maybe about five years ago, people, when we're out in public, people will come to us and say, you know, ask him, may I have a handshake? I just got to touch you. And at first, you know, I, what is going on? And they said, your son has so much love and so much blessings in him. I just want to be able to, I want the gratitude just to touch your son. I go kind of weird, but okay. And they said that you can see the, the godlike in him and how much faith he has. I was like, I don't know how he has faith because we don't even go to, I mean, I still don't know how, I still don't know how he has so much faith because we don't go to church. And now we talk about God. We pray sometimes, you know, but we don't go to church. He's full of it. Like he, he's a blessing. Wow. That's amazing. Okay. I feel really like uncomfortable asking you this and you can totally, I not... think I know what you're going to ask me too. We were pregnant at the same time. So you ready to tell me, tell you the truth? Yeah. Okay. 
whoo, now you're the only person besides my family knows what has happened. So that baby, right? I was never pregnant. My sister had a baby. She was going to put it up for adoption because the father of the baby, what my sister did not want him in her life. And at that time, Larry and I could never have a kid together because I had my tubes tied. So my sister said, Tara said that I could have the baby as long as I took care of her, like paid her bills and um, whatnot. So, okay, let's do it. I don't have to, I don't have to fork out thousands and thousands of dollars. I could do that. That's how we got the baby girl. When the baby was four months of age, Spencer was in the hospital, got really sick with his seizures. I asked my sisters, like, I need help. I go every two hours I was up with either Spencer or the little girl. And as a mom, I was like, I couldn't do it no more. And I needed help. So my sister stepped up and I told my sister, you know, I can put the adoption on hold for a minute. We had all the, we, we, we had all the papers finalized. All we had to do was wait six months until the baby turned six months. And then the judge would finalize it, whatnot. My sister asked me if there was a way she could have the baby back, if I would just drop the adoption process. And I said, well, I just forked out. It cost $2,900 to start the, the adoption process. And she's like, I just want my baby girl back. I was like, I was like as long as you can keep her in my life forever. And she said, yeah, I can do that. So we canceled our adoption. Me and my sister lived together for until we moved back to Oklahoma. She was born in 2000 and was it 17? 19. We lived together until end of December 19. And now, I mean, I see her, the baby, she's doing good. She's three and a half years old. She has beautiful, beautiful blonde hair, blue eyes. She and, calls- and the baby's name is Winnie and I named mine Vinny. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, how crazy is that? I totally thought it was yours though. My sister didn't want no one to know it was her baby because she didn't want to get scrutinized about what she's doing. Like still to this day, nobody knows. So she has a couple of friends that never knows the backstory about Winnie. She never posts Winnie on Facebook or no social media. It's just like hidden. I and- tried to Facebook suck. I'm like, what happened to Winnie? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what happened. Okay. So now the craziest part of this whole story is that Netflix a Netflix freaking producer contacts me like literally out of the freaking blue. Like <laughs> this is so crazy and starts like asking me who I know that was like a part of the show that I've yeah. kept up with. Yeah. I thought and, you were bullshitting me. And literally I was like, if Netflix brings us together, that would be so freaking crazy and cool. I was like, like I've kept in touch with other producers that haven't kept in touch with anyone. So I'm like, I feel like our story is unique. Oh, it is. It is. You know, like, I mean, how amazing would that be if like, we actually got to reconnect like over 20 years later, like face to face, like, yes, contact to contact. It would be like a trip. I still feel like we look the same though. That's why everyone did like, I don't see how I look the same, but hey, whatever. We're we're both wild and crazy. Oh my God. I I seriously like this whole conversation. Like I seriously feel like it's from above. It is. And if Netflix doesn't bring us together, God damn it, I'm going to find you. (laughs) If Netflix don't do this, they're missing a killer, killer show. Like our stories, it's going to be like, you can't make this shit up. And this really is real can't. life. Is that Jaden? It is. Aw. But is yeah. he shy? Is he like not wanting to be like, hi? No, she's shy. I'm, I'm, I've been around the computer for 30 minutes just trying is to. Is that a Cobra Kai hoodie? Yeah, it's too small for me though. 
My oldest has a Cobra Kai hoodie. <laughs> yeah, back in the day when Cobra Kai was no a business, he had the sweatpants, he had a hoodie, he had everything. Did you binge watch the series? You know I did. Oh yeah, me too. Oh my god. My my oldest like literally stayed up the entire night. I think watched like the whole season in one night. Seriously, you know what? Like this conversation was so gold. I wonder even like if I sent it to them. Okay, so here's the craziest thing. I told them, I don't even think they saw like that I had interviewed Jerry Springer. Like, I don't even know how they found me. Probably just that I've been interviewed so much about being, you know, a part of the show and that I've worked there. So they, they found me that way. But now the fact that I've actually interviewed Springer too, I was like, look, like- you know, you could have access to that. And I have old pictures of like that Jamaica trip. I've got pictures of me 20 years ago. This was like pre-freaking cell phone when we met. Right. The, the disposable cameras. Totally. Yeah. I mean, if somebody could put all of that together, I'd love to be a part of it. Oh, I would too. Like just get out there. And like, like I remember, do you remember it was, I think it was Toby that reached out to me before I knew I was pregnant. And he asked me if I would be interested in being in the adult film industry. No, he did not. Yes. And he was going to fly me out to LA. I was like, yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, because I, I haven't been poor my whole life, but you know, my family, when I was growing up, paycheck to paycheck, when my, after my mom and dad got divorced, not having to struggle and, and do it, like, yeah, let's do it. And then I had to call Toby back and tell him, I'm pregnant. I can't do it. And like, ugh, whatever. And so- yeah, I can't like, believe he asked you that. I've always, like, when I was younger, I wanted to do it because being a, being a little person, like, little people make bank of doing naughty things, you know, <laughs> for for money. Like, I was gonna do it. I you know why not? Yeah, I got pregnant, so I didn't do it. Are you glad you didn't do it? Yeah, because I I wouldn't. I mean, if I did it, I would never have had Jaden or Spencer. So I'm glad I didn't do it. What was my mom like whenever she was actually fun? What was she like back then? Yeah. She's so boring now. Oh my God. I think my kids would say I'm boring now too. She was a partier. She was a partier. I think it's still in there. (laughs) I think it's still in there. The thing is, is when you become a mom, like you have to be a little bit more responsible and good moms put their kids first. She don't don't drink. She don't smoke. She don't smoke the other stuff. She don't smoke any of it. I don't anymore either. Why? You listen, if I could have listened. Hold on. If I was with Mama in Jamaica, bro, I wouldn't have left. I would have made so many new friends. They would have just helped me into their crib. Did you smoke it there? No. I got offered. I mean, do you remember that guy? I got engaged. Like, this one guy, remember that circus thing that his name was Pete, that was that came to the resort and him and his crew performed whatnot? You know, we stayed connected. Him and his crew, I don't know what they what they called marijuana back down, you know, back in the day down there. But like, no, I don't smoke. And they said, well, we can get you, we have unlimited supplies, blah, blah, blah. I was like, I don't smoke. And they said, okay. And uh, yeah, then he asked before I went back, before we left to go back to the States, he uh, asked me to marry him. We kept in contact, golly, almost a year. And he was going to get his uh, papers to come to the States. But then we just stopped talking. He didn't. I haven't talked to him since. I want to put into the universe, like, I would love to be able to take your family and my family to freaking Jamaica. Jamaica. I would actually like to go back to that resort. I want their food, like jerk chicken. Like, the Americans do not know how to make jerk chicken. I ate way too much of it, though, like, to the point where I was, like, could not get out of the bathroom. (laughs) Like... 
Yeah, like my taste buds love it, but my butt hates it. Like, like yeah, having yeah. That's exactly what I meant. And do you remember like those dirty banana drinks? I mean, did you drink any of that stuff? No. I didn't drink their beer, but like they had this drink called the dirty banana and it was like banana, chocolate, and rum. And I drank so much of that. Oh my God. But yes. Nope, never did. All that sent me to the toilet. <laughs> yeah, now, now, you know, being 41, I've had two kids. I have to be very careful on what I eat. And if I eat yep. certain stuff, I have to be close to the bathroom because my butt's going to have an affair with the toilet and I'll be there for a little bit. Oh my but. gosh. Okay. So one last thing too, like you yourself though, have had some health issues, right? I still do. So I have a, a blood dis- disease called a von Wildebrand disease. And so when, you know, us women have our periods, we're only supposed to lose a little tiny amount, but my body tries to kill me. I lose between two to three units of blood per month. Oh my God. I've had 23 blood transfusions. I've lost after 20 of them. I it had been over 20, but my iron infusions, I've, I've lost count. I've, I've been getting iron infusions since 2016. They said I can't, they want to do a hysterectomy to get my girly parts out so I can stop having periods. But my GYN said that if they did a hysterectomy, that they would open me up. I would have to be, I couldn't, they couldn't do it laparoscopic. They would have to cut me from hip to hip because how deformed my uterus is and everything. And they said that if they did that, I would bleed out on the table. And, oh my God. Um, my cancer doctor said, well, that's, that's a risk. Yeah, but let's do it. But then my GYN said, no, it's a risk that she would not, could not put on her hands. So I said, no, I was like, I'm gonna leave it to God. I'll let God take care of me. So they put me on this one, one medication. I started it February of this year and um, for three days, didn't have no side effects from it. Okay, whatever. And after on the fourth day, I started bleeding. I bled every single day all the way up until it's december now all the way up until october-ish i stopped the medication because I, I was getting sicker in october i had my 23rd blood transfusion and my hemoglobin was low of course it was low my platelet was low I just everything was out of whack and i wasn't getting no no better and i called my doctor i was like i'm stopping this medication i go i and this medication was supposed to stop me from bleeding period but now that i've took it every day, like I'm supposed to. And they even increased me to three tablets a day and I was still bleeding. So they told me, go ahead. That's fine. I was like, good. Cause I'm still doing it regardless of what you say. And about four days after me stopping it, I finally stopped bleeding. Meanwhile, I bled the whole summer. I mean, I bled every day. Some days it was be like a little spotting. And then some days it was a fucking Amazon river. And I, my body produced, I mean, these blood clots I had, I know it's kind of TMI, but I've never seen, I never knew your body could get rid of it, like stuff like that. Now, since I stopped it, my periods have slowed down tremendously, but I'm still sick. And I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I try not to think about me. There's other stuff that, you know, I've, I've taken care of my, you know, my son and my other, my, my, my two kids. Cause like after my divorce, my ex-husband took everything from us, everything. I lived off of my, uh, our money from the house. We had a house and he had to split the house money and lived off that for a little while. And now that since it's all gone, cause you know, bills have to be paid, you know, living costs. So uh, I just started work full-time work almost two months ago. 
I honestly don't know how long I can do it because I'm anemic. I'm iron deficiency. I work five days straight in a row and I'm off on Mondays and Tuesdays and I work 10 hours a day and it is putting a strain on me. My doctor does not want me to work because I need to worry about my health, but then I go, well, who's going to pay my bills? I go, I have rent. I have my utilities. I go, and then I have a car payment. Like right now I'm two months behind my car payment and I'm trying to get everything caught back up. Yeah. So come on have- Netflix. <laughs> Right. So, um, and I, and I'm, yes, I'm on disability, but once uh, they find out I work full time, they're going to decrease my amount of pay. And because like I, I was getting every month, it was, it was only seven fourteen a month. My freaking rent is $1,400. So yeah, it's like, I try not to think about it because I believe you just get through one. Like I, I work at a detox center. So I tell my patients, just get through one day at a time. Your tomorrow will worry. We'll worry about it tomorrow. When it gets there, it already has all the problems. So just worry about right now. So that's what I tell myself. Like I, I can give, you know, I can tell, talk to people and give people encouragement, but I can't take my own advice. So I've been really relying on my advice and me taking it, but it's hard and it's scary. I just roll with it and see what happens. Is there anything you'd like to ask my dad? Ask your dad. <laughs> were you wild and crazy when you were a kid? How were you as a daughter? Okay. I'm sure he'll have something to tell you. <laughs> I love that you got to be a part of multiple episodes. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like everyone has seen them, but I personally have never seen them. And like, we've got to yeah. track that down. Actually, the Netflix producer did ask me if I had access to it. And I said it was, I was the associate producer on that show. Toby was the producer. So maybe they'll be able to track down the footage. Well, that guy, the production agency from London, I had my Zoom call last week. How'd that go? Tell me. Oh my gosh. He said, he said that we want you. He said, we're going to send you over an agreement that you have to sign. I said, okay. And he's like, have you seen the episodes? I went, I've never seen the episodes. I was a part of them. I know what had happened, but I have never put my eyes on the show to actually watch them. And like my oldest son, he's like dying to see him. And I want to see it too. I want to look, see, see how ridiculous I was, I guess. Totally. Oh my God. Blast from the past. That'd be so much fun. Yeah. I wonder if they'll be able to track it down. They probably will be able to, if they get approval from Netflix. Definitely. They, they should, because it's out there in the internet somewhere. Once you've been on TV, it's not erasable. You just got to be able to find it. And they like Jerry. They want, they, yeah, they, they want to hear it. Did you ever get to actually talk to him? Yes. After we did the show that with Tiger and everybody, Toby took me over to meet Jerry. And I have a picture with Jerry. And he is the most sweetest, sweetest down to earth man you could ever think of. That's how I took him. Like we even got to meet him in uh, Jamaica. He came out of the resort and he got into the pool. And like you would think, you know, Jerry Springer, probably this big egotistic man, but he was just so kind-hearted, mellow, like, oh, whatever, no, let's do this. I mean, he was awesome. Is there anything you'd like to say to him? Thank you. I mean, thank you to him and everybody because, and thank you for the time. I know he was so nice to me on the show when I was, when we were filming it and yeah, kind of starstruck still like Jerry's fucking Springer. I can relate to that because even though I was like backstage with him from week to week, I was nervous, like telling him the stories at that age. Like I was starstruck. Oh yeah. I'd imagine. I mean, 
Yeah, that's intimidating because he was the man, the myth, the legend. I mean, he was all of it. I mean, you no one can compare it to Jerry Springer. He's the man. I'm going to send him this. I seriously <laughs> am. At least those two clips. Right, right. Yeah, he was he was the man. I mean, I've kept in touch with his publicist for 20 years too. And that's oh. how I got to him. And I introduced her to the Netflix producer. So now has she been with them the whole time too? She has worked for him the entire time. That is awesome. You don't find that much. That speaks loudly. It, that's that should tell people who Jerry really is. If he can keep one person this whole time, because usually they come and go because if the person's an asshole or a bitch, whatnot, they're not going to stay. So he, that shows you how he treats people too. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Oh, no, thank you. We finally did it. Now, now the whole world's going to hear my story and hear about me. And yeah, your legacy, baby. I'm not a legacy. I'm just me. I'm just Cher. You're amazing. You inspire me. I'm so glad that we did this. Seriously. Finally. I know because we've been talking about it and then stuff always happened and could never do it. Yeah. So I'm glad we finally did it. Like I actually see you like, yeah, we see, we see each other on Facebook, whatnot, but like not actually like, right now in this moment, 1239 face to face almost. I mean, it's awesome. Yeah. And how often does somebody contact you and say, Hey, like I'm putting together something for Netflix. Like that. Never you only hear about it. Like, happens. You know, like I thought you were just bullshitting me. Like no one's going to want to hear my story. But the fact um, that we've kept in touch for 20 years, that is, that is an insane story. Like that yeah. is special. Yeah. Like we had like our first meeting, like you were this wild, spunky, I mean, person that you had like love just radiant off of of you. And you welcomed me with open arms. I was like, all right, let's do it. And so like, I'm blessed to have have had you in my life 20 freaking years. You too. You too. Seriously, I really hope that this opportunity brings us together. And if not that one, another one. Oh yeah. The shit that I've been through with my life. Why do I have to continue to struggle? Like, Cause I have never, I was never a bad person growing up. I never did wrong. So what did I do so wrong in my life that I had to have all this still like, yeah, that's a deep question. Seriously. I'm interested in what my dad will say to that. Yeah. Why? Like other people like get so much stuff handed to them. I don't want to hand out, but like I, I bust my ass off for my kids and for myself and I still like get over one obstacle and I have to get and hit another obstacle it's like why does I can't just go and have you know a boring life without these roadblocks and have to figure out how to do things man God must think you're capable of a whole lot no I'm not how is the work that you're doing though inspired you some the work like the work I do I I love it because uh, I work with addicts the, since I've been there for almost two months, 90% of them are thankful that they met me. They said that I was the one that kept them there, that encouraged them to stay, to get clean, where everyone else, they were just there for a paycheck. I was like, well, I'm here for a paycheck too, but you guys are, we're all human. I don't care what color you are, what, what you believe in, where you came from. I'm here to help you. And they said that I was different. I'm a different kind of a human being and that, that they're thankful I work now every, every every check that I get, I'm very thankful for. I see it for one day and then it's gone the next, you know, it's gone the next, but I'm thankful. Do you have like a GoFundMe or any way that people can connect to you um, and support you? Right. Also right now, Spencer has a GoFundMe account. I have to take him in Florida. We have to leave January 10th 
his uh, palliative care doctor wants him to get on a second opinion on his diagnosis and make sure this is the end and make sure there's something else we can do. Well, I cannot afford the trip to Florida and Medicaid and Oklahoma will not pay for it. So yeah, he has a GoFundMe account on uh, through Facebook. Please send me that. I will. And I honestly like, sounds horrible as a mom. I'm thankful for the $268 that I got raised so far. But if it continues like that, we won't be able to go. Like I won't be able to take my son to the doctors and get a second opinion because I don't have the money. I just, and that part is not fair because I'm not ready to lose my son. I if like if I had enough money, I would never even need it. Like I would just pack up my bags up. Okay, we're going for a couple of days and we're going. That's what that's what that's what other families would do. They would other families would just say, okay, hey, we're going on a road trip. We're going to go go see a doctor and don't have to worry about the money. But this is not fair. Like it's not fair that I'm struggling. It's not fair that my son's dying. It's just not fair. I mean. And I know someone out there has it worse than I do, but I just, I want a break. Like, that's so hard. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. Oh my God. And like, I love my sister and everything, but like my sister gets everything handed to her, everything. She forgets who I am. I raised her oldest son. I had him. Everyone forgets about me. Like I'll never change who I am. I'll always be the loving and caring person that helps people. But when will someone just come help me just for a little bit? You know, it's just, I'm sorry. I hope, I really hope that for you. Oh my God, share. And like, we know we had a perfect house in Piedmont where we lived, but my marriage, it was corrupt. It was so bad. I had no idea. Uh, Yeah, he was abusive. He was an, he was an alcoholic. He was an addict. I did not want that stuff around my kids. Enough was enough. He wasn't willing to change. And he always blamed it. Well, I'm paralyzed and I'm in pain and blah, blah, blah. Like, well, you could have died that day. God kept you alive. So be thankful for that. He could never find something to be grateful for. And I was like, then you're still going to be in hell then. I mean, if you can't find something to be thankful and grateful for, then you're still going to be the same person. I finally got the courage to get a divorce. He wanted to take the whole house for me, not even split the house. But his attorney said he has to split the house. He split the house after we, the house sell, sold within six hours. And I've never seen a house sell that fast. Wow. And then because he took all the furniture, I mean, so he took, he took the only things that we had that we got to walk away with was our vehicle, my bed, and my clothes, Spencer's clothes, and James' clothes everything else we had to start from scratch so i had bad credit so i couldn't buy a house and it, it was kind of sad because like okay my you know my youngest son you know he's he's ill i would i want want a house that he could you know pass away in and i could stay there like this is my forever home this is my son's home but i can't so i, I rented a house and we had to buy a new living room set tables a refrigerator tvs i mean beds i mean we had to furnish the whole house that's so expensive Oh, it's, it's not cheap. <laughs> and then, but it's okay. You have so much courage. I mean, wow. I see why people say that to you in the work that you're doing, that you're a blessing in their life. Yeah. I don't wish my life on no one though. I'd rather have a different kind of issue that I'm dealing with instead of with what I'm dealing with right now. Like my son being sick and seeing what he's going through and all of our ups and downs, like one minute he's stable and the next minute he's crashing. 
I mean, the whirlwind of that, like, and does he have to stay alone while you're at work? No, he can't take care of himself alone. So my brother, my, my brother, my son, Jaden watches him. Wow. And Jaden can't get a full-time job and, and help him with the bills because he has to watch Spencer. We can't get a babysitter because they have to be like some kind of nursing training to take care of them. And what young adult that has went to some kind of nurse, like CNA or LPN that I can afford to, I mean, so yeah. I mean, Jaden's my a mom, hero too. He is. Jaden has sacrificed a lot to help me. Me and my two boys, we're pretty, we're pretty tight. We rely on each other. That's my life. It's crazy to ask yourself some of those deeper questions. You're like, there's got to be more than this. That I feel like what I would like to think about is everything that I went through and witnessed. And to this day, there has to be a reason why. But what is the reason? Like, why? I don't know. Like, when I was married, after my ex-husband got his workman's comp, you know, he got, we we're millionaires. Like, he he was rich. Like, he had, we had money. We never knew, had to worry about, you know, $100 off. That's pocket change, you know? So I got to experience life. Like, I got to experience how it felt to be rich. And let me tell you something. It was nice. Like, but I was unhappy. And yes, the money does help the, you know, help the relationship, but you can only buy so much stuff before you have everything. And then it, you go back to like, I'm not happy. And that's what, and I guess what I did when we moved back to Oklahoma, you know, I went on a spending spree. We got all, all new ATVs, got a brand new house. We got so much clothes. I mean, like pathetic amounts of clothes. Like <laughs> that must've been fun. Oh yeah. It was fun. But like now I have over 50 pairs of jeans. I was like, what like so I, I i think like you know when i was younger i want to know what was how to be how it felt to be rich so now god showed me what it felt like to be rich oh so you want to be rich so here you go this is all the money you can have and then i had this and i didn't think wise like i was like oh let's do it let's do it and i felt like in a way god knocked me down okay knocked down got divorced now i'm poor and i'm struggling and now i am thankful for every i mean even though i was thankful for before but now I'm super grateful and thankful for everything I have to this day. And I realize, I think it was like a lesson, like money does not bring happiness, does not bring love. It fills a void, but money is evil. So you have to be careful with your money and your finances. And that's what I learned now. I mean, even though I was never reckless with, with his money, everything was taken care of. I, I know how it is, how it feels to be rich. And I know how it feels to be struggling. It sucks. I don't wish no one hell. And I wish him, I wish him well, but I like haven't my 18 year old Jaden. No, he don't. He says, mama, it's okay. If we don't have Christmas, he goes, but you no, know, we know the true meaning of Christmas. It's okay. But then Spencer said, mommy, you know, I try to explain to him what Christmas truly is. He don't understand it. And that's okay. And he's like, I can't wait for Santa Claus to come. And I was like, I'm thinking to myself, I was like, how in the hell am I going to be afford to put presents in that? I, mean, I don't even have a Christmas tree up. Like I feel like a Grinch because I bought humbug because I just don't know. Like I'm, we're just trying to live day by day. And then I have my Spencer's telling me he can't wait for Santa Claus. He can't wait for this and that. It's like, okay, I need a miracle. If it don't happen, it don't happen. It's okay. Cause I'll still be thankful for my life, Spencer's life and Jaden's life. I'll be thankful for that. Cause there's other things that could be worse. That's a beautiful message. Actually. It's okay. That's really what it comes down to. It does. Cause I also believe in that my kids can get anything. You no, know, 
to a certain amount, can get anything throughout the year. Why does Christmas have to be the time where you have to have all these presents and gifts? I mean, that's what's wrong with our year now. Like the generation, I would say, I'm sorry, our generation, because kids like compete like, well, I got 20 presents and I got this and this and that. And if another kid didn't get much, that's not the meaning behind it. It's the family, it's the love, it's the food on the table and who's around the table. Things will be okay. It's honestly just even being present with each other and holding yeah, each other's hands. Yeah, because otherwise you'd be visiting the cemetery instead or whatnot. So when are you going to Florida? January 10th? His appointment is January 12th at 7.30 in the morning, but we have to leave January 10th at five o'clock in the morning to be able to get down there on time because we were thinking about flying, but his neurologist said that it would not be safe for Spencer to fly just in case he has a medical emergency. We just can't land anywhere. I mean, so they said they would recommend him driving. So uh, it takes 18 hours. I can get to Pensacola within 12 hours. I've done that plenty of times, easy peasy, and then finish the drive up on the 11th and then be down there the 11th and in the early evening hours and then be ready for their, he has to have a pet MRI done. And that's why, and that's why my GoFundMe account is so high because Medicaid here in Oklahoma will not pay for a darn thing. Nothing. Oh my God. So he has to have a EEG done. He has to have a pet MRI done. And that's about $4,500 right there. And then he has to have the office visit paid for and any lab work. And then the expenses to travel down there and back. Yeah, I don't make that much money. I mean, I only get paid $13 an hour and I work full time. I mean, and what I do, I mean, it's okay. It's a job. I'm th- I'm very thankful for a job. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for my patients. I mean, because I see, I, it's also like when I first started there, I was like, oh my gosh, so these people have COVID. Like what is going on? I've never been around like detoxing addicts and my RN would say, no, they're detoxing. I went, they're sick. Yes, they will be sick for at least good three days. And then you see a transformation from, you know, they're coming in here, they're high, they're detox, and then, then they're detoxing. They're, I think they're dying, but no. And then they transform into this little butterfly. And like, yes, last night when I worked, two of my patients were getting discharged today and they were going to go into a, a sober living house. And I said, you're my little butterfly. Now I have to release you into the world and you're going to be a beautiful butterfly with your wings. And I said, if you can do it in here, you can do it out there in this world. My pay, it's not that great, but it's a blessing to meet these people. And hopefully I can give their give them their encouragement that I wish people would do it for me and help them. So yeah, it's nice. That's amazing. I hope people understand like, like addiction does not matter if you're rich, poor, black, white, purple. It does not matter. Because I've seen people that come in there that has money and they're heroin addicts and they're meth addicts. And so- I don't care. I tell people that we've had homeless people come in because they're addicts. Addiction is real. It's out there and it's scary. And these people need love. They're humans and they all need love too. So regardless what they decide to do with their money, there's still people. Wow. I wish I could give you a big hug. Please send me that link. I'm going to try to at least put it on my social. That'd be awesome. I'm going to send it to the Netflix folks too. Who knows? Maybe they would contribute. Right. That would be great. I had a little altercation with my son's neurologist here in Oklahoma because she said she's at her end. There's nothing more that we can do for Spencer. And I say, if this was your child, 
what would you want to do? What would you want to hear? My God. If this was your child, would you be okay just sitting back and letting her doctor tell you that there's nothing more that they can do? We're at the end. And she would say, no. Okay. So then for me being a parent, it's not okay with me. I, I can't do it because God forbid something happens to him. I lose him. I will have that regret my whole life. God rest her. So my best friend, she committed suicide two years ago. Oh my but God. They lost, they lost their son. And he was like Spencer. He had a lot of health issues. And he had every doctor working on him except a cardiologist, heart doctor. And what took his life was a heart attack, a massive heart attack at age six. So, and when he passed away, her and I got close and she said, I will always be here for Spencer. I'll be fighting for you guys. And she always told me, if the doctors don't know what's going on, go find another doctor. And then like, and that's why I'm so adamant. I'm trying to get him a second opinion. And if it is, if this is you know, getting it close to the time, I will accept it. But I just want a second opinion just in case there's another doctor out there and says, well, let's try this medication or let's do this for pain control and see if it works just to just try to help him. Is this a specialist in Florida? Yeah, it's uh, the University of Florida Hospital, Children's Hospital in Gainesville. Also, I mean, this is my own ignorance, but I know I had a baby in the NICU for seven weeks. I had a three pound baby and the bill is insane. And I do know that, like, is there any way of like contacting these doctors and, and like showing proof of what you make and them writing off the bill or no? I've asked them and the doctor in Florida said, well, you don't have to come to us then because if you have to pay out of pocket, you don't have to come. I said, okay. And That's I was trying horrible. To, and I was trying to tell the, the office manager, I was like, listen, we're from Oklahoma. We used to see this doctor in Florida. I go, the doctors here in Oklahoma tells us there's nothing more that they can do. And I'm not okay with that. I'm not going to sit back and say, this is the end. Let's you know, do whatever. And she the office manager told me, you no, know, she understands it. But their policies is, is you still have to pay. Now, granted, maybe if we get down there, maybe the doctor will write off some of it. Or I don't, I don't know. But if I don't have the money, I, I'm not going to go. I'm, I won't be able to make it. I could make it out of, you know, Oklahoma, but then I would have to turn right back around and go back home because I can't afford the rest. I mean, because gas is not too outrageous like it was earlier this year, but it's still high. And then hotel and the office visit, yeah, it's just it's oh a lot. Like, I. I haven't thought about it in a couple of days because it's 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 depressing. Even but, just the drive is taxing and exhausting. Yeah. I mean, that alone is hard. And then traveling with a kid who, you know, is sick. But it's okay. I believe everything will work out. And I also believe God will tempt you, like, will test you. Do you have the patience? Do you have the faith? In my head, nothing's going to happen. I feel like nothing's going to happen. It's always going to, my help, my life will always be hell. But then I feel like my heart feels like everything will be taken care of. And then my mind, my heart has a battle. Like, just, yeah, it's just like a conflict war in my head, like trying to figure stuff out and what I could do or what I couldn't, shouldn't have done. Yeah. That's really the truth. The mind heart battle. I yes. feel your heart though. And, and even from what you told me about Spencer, like his connection with God should even like restore your faith in some ways. Yes. And I didn't, I didn't tell you. So real fast, before we knew my sister was pregnant, Spencer just came home from the hospital and he went up to my sister, touched her stomach and said, you're pregnant. You're going to have a baby. You should name her Winnie. 
we started laughing. Go, okay, Spencer. Okay. A couple months down the road and we found out she was pregnant. We go, what the hell is going on here? Then I talked to my aunt, my dad's sister, and I told my aunt, you know, what, what Spencer did and said. And I said, and I told her like, yeah. And then he said, we should call her Winnie. And she said, are you serious? I was like, yeah, why? Well, my great, great grandmother's name was Winnie. I said, really? That's kind of ironic. And then she had, she was having a girl, I know at four months along, whatever, how long she was when he found out it was a girl. And my sister decided to name her Winnie. Well, I decided to name her Winnie. So she's she's oh she's named after our great great grandmother and our grandmother because her name is her full name is Wilhelmina Bernice Eva and then Holt. I love it. Yeah, that feels like a God moment right there. It was something like if people don't have a higher power or don't believe in the higher power, they should meet Spencer, especially when he's having a good day and just talk to him because. He'll make you believe the stuff that he'll tell you how he loves God and his angels and how peaceful it is. And he'll, he'll tell me that he won't be sick no more and no more seizures, no more tubes hanging out of him. I was like, how does he know those stuff? Because I don't want to talk like that. And I he don't, want to, he don't want to church. How does he know? Like he's a little gift from God that God has gave me to give me some hope, I guess, some light and not make me believe, but show me that there is something out there. I love Spencer. <laughs> He's a blessing. He's a blessing. Thank you, Cher. You are a blessing. You are too. Thank you so much. And now the whole world will know even more about me. <laughs> <laughs> Send me that link for real. I'm going to post it even before this airs. Okay. Now let's switch it over to Grandpa. This is a story about Cher, and ironically, during the holiday season, the story couldn't be told at a better time, because it's a a story of hardship, abuse, and tremendous adversity, and as you know, where health and sickness are at play versus each other. Bottom line is, God has a way of showing by these type of examples that love overcomes all adversities and makes all of the anguishes in our lives seem to be very low, that anything is possible, that love is very, very strong, should win out at the end of the day, the end of the year, and at the end of life. That concentration, as you know, that I've mentioned to you, that God's hand touches us all, and those that are really connected, those that really believe, can feel that hand and feel God's love and know that there's a, a bigger and better place for all of us sometimes going through trying times is the message that we have to sometimes give other people crazy experiences that we have and share that with other people so that they have an opportunity to stay strong and not give up, that you play the cards that you're dealt the best possible way and that all cards can win at the end. That's amazing that you got that from the episode. The question that she asked me is, was I a wild and crazy guy? And and, and how did I overcome or deal with it? Just like uh, she asked you the same question. You gave a pretty good answer, and I'm going to give an answer too, is that without all of these stories and experiences of pluses and minuses, some of them could have been devastating in my life too. The fact is, is that having the experience and seeing the ups and downs of life helps you in making, hopefully, better choices if we get that opportunity to live long enough to get it right with all of the things that she's been through, when she goes to counsel other people that have 
been depressed and become addicted to, whether it's alcohol or drugs or bad things, that it can be overcome. You love, let the love in your heart be expressed and that be grateful for every moment because life is so fragile, worth so much that any little positiveness in our lives is worth much, much more than any of the hardships that we have to overcome or suffer. Isn't it truly remarkable, the work that she's chosen to do? Well, what I found interesting is that sometimes we even get into trouble trusting people, trusting our heart over sometimes our mind that we're going down a bad path here and nothing good can come out of it. And yet sometimes, of course, we want and we search for friends and we search for love that sometimes we sacrifice our senses that tell us really no. Then we experience all this hardship and we realize that it isn't worth it to have some type of physical or mental relief for a minute. It's not going to be everlasting. That's why we need good foundations and fundamentals and education and really a strong connection with God and feeling Him so that we follow a better path. God gives us that choice. You can do it wild and crazy. You can do whatever you want. You have those choices. But hopefully, if you weigh the the choices with the consequences that come with it, that uh, you'll choose better choices because the pain of the consequences often enough proves that it's not worth it. What did you think about her saying that Jerry Springer really changed her life? Isn't it interesting after your interview with him that we find out really how soft-spoken, how educated, how open-minded he is on issues and very, very sensitive towards also helping people. And, and he's also is very thankful for all the opportunities that he got in life, that he's not a braggart or, or someone who thinks he's above it all. That's called humility. Those that have patience and humility and where the word being grateful and where love is more meaningful, if it's involving many and offering your experiences to other people where that they don't trip and fall and where, where that all seems to be not necessarily everybody's first choice, but it is a better choice when we're only thinking of ourselves or take pity potting ourselves. It's like a, we're like a hamster in a wheel where we're just spinning, spinning around and around and around and around and not getting anywhere. And I don't think any of us want to be on that hamster wheel. I certainly don't. And that's why we have to be open-minded to listening to others and finding a way sometimes out of the maze of life because sometimes we just don't get it. But sometimes you get a much better perspective when you do hear the trials and tribulations of others. And if you have good mentors and you have good encouragement and you have good foundation and you have family around you that loves you, we overcome adversities a lot easier. So that's part of the formula of life. And as you know, life is so short, but still every second is very, very precious. I talked to you earlier about how losing Uncle Julius, that was 96 years old, still I feel saddened. And yet at the same time, very grateful and shared on the Facebook, beautiful picture of my mom at her wedding day and a picture of me sticking my head in and seeing her now. And again, being so grateful to have the opportunity to still be with my mom in every way and hope that we can keep her healthy and her mind satisfied that she's being loved and taken care of. But she does deserve that. And that's what we all deserve is we all deserve to be loved and be wanted and uh, where we are active and doing things 
but let's make sure that we're being smart about it and that we do pick good choices and that we don't let negative people get in our lives that can sway us in the opposite direction. Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy Show. Now you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Better Call Daddy Show, please feel free to review it at ratethispodcast.com slash bettercalldaddy. Add Better Call Daddy Podcast on IG at Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn.com. Hold up. 